Chapter Five of the Papers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. If it had not been a disaster, Beadle Muffet's plunge into the obscure, it would have been a huge success. So large a space did the prominent public man occupy for the next few days in the papers. So near did he come, nearer certainly than ever before, to supplanting other topics. This question of his whereabouts, of his antecedents, of his habits, of his possible motives, of his probable or improbable embarrassments, fairly raged from day to day and from hour to hour, making the strand for our two young friends quite fiercely, quite cruelly vociferous. They met again promptly, in the thick of the uproar, and no other eyes could have scanned the current rumours and remarks so eagerly as Maud's, unless it had been those of Maud's companion. The rumours and remarks were mostly very wonderful, and all of a nature to sharpen the excitement produced in the comrades by their being already, as they felt, in the know. Even for the girl this sense existed, so that she could smile at wild surmises. She struck herself as knowing much more than she did, especially as, with the alarm once given, she abstained, delicately enough, from worrying, from catechizing bite. She only looked at him as to say, See, while the suspense lasts, how generously I spare you, and her attitude was not affected by the interested promise he had made her. She believed he knew more than he said, though he had sworn as to what he didn't. She saw him, in short, as holding some threads, but having lost others, and his state of mind, so far as she could read it, represented in equal measure assurances unsupported and anxieties unconfessed. He would have liked to pass for having, on cynical grounds, and for the mere ironic beauty of it, believed that the hero of the hour was only, as he had always been, up to something from which he would emerge more than ever glorious, or at least conspicuous. But knowing the gentleman was more than anything, more than all else, asinine, he was not deprived of ground in which fear could abundantly grow. If Beadle, in other words, was ass enough, as was conceivable, to be working the occasion, he was by the same token ass enough to have lost control of it, to have committed some folly from which even fools don't rebound. That was the spark of suspicion lurking in the young man's ease, and that, Maud knew, explained something else. The family and friends had but too promptly been approached, been besieged, yet Bight, in all the promptness, had markedly withdrawn from the game, had had, one could easily judge, already too much to do with it. Who but he, otherwise, would have been so naturally let loose upon the forsaken home, the bewildered circle, the agitated club, the friend who had last conversed with the eminent absentee, the waiter in exclusive halls, who had served him with five o'clock tea, the porter in august Pall Mall, who had called his last cab, the cabman, supremely privileged, who had driven him where? The last cab would, as our young woman reflected, have been a heading so after her friend's own heart, and so consonant with his genius, that it took all her discretion not to ask him how he had resisted it. She didn't ask, but she herself noted the title for future use. She would have at least got that, the last cab, out of the business. 
and as the days went by and the extra specials swarmed the situation between them swelled with all the unspoken matters that were grave depended on it for each and nothing so much for instance as her seeing mrs chorner again to see that lady as things had been had meant that the poor woman might have been helped to believe in her believing in her she would have paid her and maud disposed as she was really had felt capable of earning the pay whatever as the case stood was caused to hang in the air nothing dangled more free than the profit derivable from muzzling the press with a watchdog to whom bite had compared it barking for dear life the moment was scarcely adapted for calling afresh upon a person who had offered a reward for silence the only silence as we say was in the girl's not mentioning it to her friend how these embarrassments affected her mrs chorner was a person she liked a connection more to her taste than any she had professionally made and the thought of her now on the rack tormented with suspense might well have brought to her lips a see there what you've done there was for that matter in bite's face he couldn't keep it out precisely the look of seeing it which was one of her reasons too for not insisting on her wrong if he couldn't conceal it this was a part of the rest of the unspoken he didn't allude to the lady lest it might be too sharply said to him that it was on her account he should most blush last of all he was hushed by the sense of what he had himself said when the news first fell on their ears his promise to produce the fugitive was still in the air but with every day that passed the prospect turned less to redemption therefore if her own promise on a different head depended on it he was naturally not in a hurry to bring the question to a test so it was accordingly that they but read the papers and looked at each other maud felt in truth that these organs had never been so worth it nor either she or her friend whatever the size of old obligations so much beholden to them they helped them to wait and the better really the longer the mystery lasted it grew of course daily richer adding to its mass as it went and multiplying its features looming especially larger through the cloud of correspondence communication suggestion supposition speculation with which it was presently suffused theories and explanations sprouted at night and bloomed in the morning to be overtopped at noon by a still thicker crop and to achieve by evening the density of a tropical forest these again were the green glades in which our young friends wandered under the impression of the first night's shock maud had written to mortimer marshall to excuse herself from her engagement to luncheon a step of which she had promptly advised bite as a sign of her playing fair he took it as she could see for what it was worth but she could also see how little he now cared he was thinking of the man with whose strange agitation he had so cleverly and recklessly played and in the face of the catastrophe of which they were still so likely to have news the vanities of smaller fools the conveniences of first-class flats the memory of chippendale teas ceased to be actual or ceased at any rate to be importunate her old interview furbished into freshness had appeared on its wednesday in 
brains but she had not received in person the renewed homage of its author she had only once more had the vision of his inordinate purchase and diffusion of the precious number it was a vision however at which neither bite nor she smiled it was funny on so poor a scale compared with that of their other show but it befell that when this latter had for ten days kept being funny to the tune that so lengthened their faces the poor gentleman glorified in brains succeeded in making it clear that he was not easily to be dropped he wanted now evidently as the girl said to herself to live at concert pitch and she gathered from three or four notes to which at short intervals he treated her that he was watching in anxiety for reverberations not as yet perceptible his expectation of results from what our young couple had done for him would as always have been a thing for pity with a young couple less imbued with the comic sense though indeed it would also have been a comic thing for a young couple less attentive to a different drama disappointed of the girl's company at home the author of Corisanda had proposed fresh appointments which he had desired at the moment and indeed more each time not to take up to the extent even that catching sight of him unperceived on one of these occasions in her inveterate strand she checked on the spot a first impulse to make herself apparent he was before her in the crowd and going the same way he had stopped a little to look at a shop and it was then that she swerved in time not to pass close to him she turned and reversed conscious and convinced that he was as she mentally put it on the prowl for her she herself poor creature as she also mentally put it she herself was shamelessly on the prowl but it wasn't for her self-respect to get herself puffed it wasn't to pick a personal advantage it was to pick up news of beadle muffet to be near the extra specials and it was also as to this she was never blind to cultivate that nearness by chances of howard bite the blessing of blindness in truth at this time she scantily enjoyed being perfectly aware of the place occupied in her present attitude to that young man by the simple impossibility of not seeing him she had done with him certainly if he had killed beadle and nothing was now growing so fast as the presumption in favour of some catastrophe yet shockingly to be revealed enacted somewhere in desperate darkness though probably on lines as the papers said anticipated by none of the theorists in their own columns any more than by clever people at the clubs where the betting was so heavy she had done with him indubitably but she had not it was equally unmistakable done with letting him see how thoroughly she would have done or to feel about it otherwise she was laying up treasure in time as against the privations of the future she was affected moreover perhaps but half consciously by another consideration her attitude to mortimer marshall had turned a little to fright she wondered uneasily at impressions she might have given him and she had it finally on her mind that whether or no the vain man believed in them there must be a limit to the belief she had communicated to her friend he was her friend after all whatever should happen and there were things that even in that hampered character she couldn't allow him to suppose it was a queer business now in fact 
for her to ask herself if she maud blandy had produced in any sane human sense an effect of flirtation she saw herself in this possibility as in some grotesque reflector a full-length looking-glass of the inferior quality that deforms and discolours it made her as a flirt a figure for frank derision and she entertained honest girl none of the self-pity that would have spared her a shade of this sharpened consciousness have taken an inch from facial proportion where it would have been missed with advantage or added one in such other quarters as would have welcomed the gift she might have counted the hairs on her head for any wish she could have achieved to remain vague about them just as she might have rehearsed disheartened postures of grace for any dream she could compass of having ever accidentally struck one void in short of a personal illusion exempt with an exemption which left her not less helplessly aware of where her hats and skirts and shoes failed than of where her nose and mouth and complexion and above all where her poor figure without a scrap of drawing did she blushed to bethink herself that she might have affected her young man as really bragging of a conquest her other young man's pursuit of her what was it but rank greed not in the least for her person but for the connection of which she had formed so prosperous a view she was ready now to say to herself that she had swaggered to bite for the joke odd indeed though the wish to undeceive him at the moment when he would have been more welcome than ever to think what he liked the only thing she wished him not to think as she believed was that she thought mortimer marshall thought her or any one on earth thought her intrinsically charming she didn't want to put to him do you suppose i suppose that if it came to the point her reasons for such avoidance being easily conceivable he was not to suppose that in any such quarter she struck herself as either casting a spell or submitting to one only while their crisis lasted rectifications were scarce in order she couldn't remind him even without a mistake that she had but wished to worry him because in the first place that suggested again a pretension in her so at variance with the image in the mirror to put forth arts suggested possibly even that she used similar ones when she lunched in bristling flats with the pushing and because in the second it would have seemed a sort of challenge to him to renew his appeal then further and most of all she had a doubt which by itself would have made her wary as it distinctly in her present suspended state made her uncomfortable she was haunted by the after-sense of having perhaps been fatuous a spice of conviction in respect to what was open to her an element of elation in her talk to bite about marshall had there not after all been hadn't she a little liked to think the wretched man could cling to her and hadn't she also a little for herself filled out the future in fancy with the picture of the droll relation she had seen it as droll evidently but had she seen it as impossible unthinkable it had become unthinkable now and she was not wholly unconscious of how the change had worked such workings were queer but there they were the foolish man had become odious to her precisely because she was hardening her face for bite the latter was no foolish man but this it was that made it the more a pity he should have placed the impassable between them that was what as the days went on she felt herself take in it was there the impassable 
she couldn't lucidly have said why couldn't have explained the thing on the real scale of the wrong her comrade had done it was a wrong it was a wrong she couldn't somehow get out of that which was a proof no doubt that she confusedly tried the author of Coruscander was sacrificed in the effort, for ourselves it may come to that. Great to poor Maud Blandy as well, for that matter, great yet also attaching, were the obscurity and ambiguity in which some impulses lived and moved, the rich gloom of their combinations, contradictions, inconsistencies, surprises. It rested her very a little from her straightness the line of a character she felt markedly like the line of the edgware road and of maida vale that she could be queerly inconsistent and inconsistent in the hustling strand where if anywhere you had under pain of hoofs and wheels to decide whether or no you would cross she had moments before shop windows into which she looked without seeing when all the unuttered came over her she had once told her friend that she pitied every one and at these moments in sharp unrest she pitied blight for their tension in which nothing was relaxed it was all too mixed and too strange each of them in a different corner with a different impossibility there was her own in far kilburnia and there was her friends everywhere for where didn't he go and there was mrs chorner's on the very edge of park line in spite of all petticoats and marble baths and there was Beadle Muffet's, the wretched man, God only knows where, which was what made the whole show supremely incoherent. He was ready to give his head, if, as seemed so unlikely, he still had a head, to steal into cover and keep under, out of the glare. He, having scoured Europe, it might so well be guessed, for some hole in which the papers wouldn't find him out, and then having, what else was there by this time to presume, died in the hole as the only way not to see to hear to know let alone be known heard seen finally while he lay there relieved by the only relief here was poor mortimer marshall undeterred undismayed unperceiving so hungry to be paragraphed in something like the same fashion and published on something like the same scale that for the very blindness of it he couldn't read the lesson that was in the air and scrambled to his utmost towards the boat itself that ferried the warning ghost just that beyond everything was the incoherence that made for rather dismal farce and on which bite had put his finger in naming the author of Corisanda as a candidate in turn for the comic the tragic vacancy it was a wonderful moment for such an ideal and the sight was not really to pass from her till she had seen the whole of the wonder. A fortnight had elapsed since the night of Beadle's disappearance, and the conditions attending the afternoon performances of the finished drama had in some degree reproduced themselves, to the extent, that is, of the place, the time, and several of the actors involved, the audience, for reasons traceable, being differently composed. A lady of high social position, desirous still further to elevate that character by the obvious aid of the theatre, had engaged a playhouse for a series of occasions on which she was to affront in person whatever volume of attention she might succeed in collecting. Her success had not immediately been great, and by the third or fourth day the public consciousness was so markedly astray 
that the means taken to recover it penetrated in the shape of a complimentary ticket even to our young woman maud had communicated with bite who could be sure of a ticket proposing to him that they should go together and offering to await him in the porch of the theatre he joined her there but with so queer a face for her subtlety that she paused before him previous to their going in with a straight you know something about that rank idiot he shook his head looking kind enough but it didn't make him she felt more natural my dear it's all beyond me i mean she said with a shade of uncertainty about poor dear beadle so do i so does every one no one now at any moment means anything about any one else but i've lost intellectual control of the extraordinary case i flattered myself i still had a certain amount but the situation at last escapes me i break down non compreni i give it up she continued to look at him hard then what's the matter with you why just that probably that i feel like a clever man done and that your tone with me adds to the feeling or putting it otherwise it's perhaps only just one of the ways in which i'm so interesting that with the life we lead and the age we live in there's always something the matter with me there can't help being some rage some disgust some fresh amazement against which one hasn't for all one's experience been proof that sense of having been sold again produces emotions that may well on occasion be reflected in the countenance there you are well he might say that there you are as often as he liked without at the pass they had come to making her in the least see where she was she was only just where she stood a little apart in the lobby listening to his words which she found eminently characteristic of him struck with an odd impression of his talking against time and most of all tormented to recognize that she could fairly do nothing better at such a moment than feel he was awfully nice the moment that of his most blandly she would have said in the case of another most impudently failing all round to satisfy her was appropriate only to some emotion consonant with her dignity it was all crowded and covered hustled and interrupted now but what really happened in this brief passage and with her finding no words to reply to him was that dignity quite appeared to collapse and drop from her to sink to the floor under the feet of people visibly bristling with paper where the young man's extravagant offer of an arm to put an end and help her in had the effect of an invitation to leave it lying to be trampled on within once seated they kept their places through the two intervals but at the end of the third act there were to be no less than five they fell in with the movement that carried half the audience to the outer air howard bite desired to smoke and maud offered to accompany him for the purpose to the portico where somehow for both of them the sense was immediately strong that this the squalid strand damp yet incandescent ugly yet eloquent familiar yet fresh was life palpable ponderable possible much more than the stuff neither scenic nor cosmic they had quitted the difference came to them from the street in a moist mild blast which they simply took in at first in a long draught as more amusing than their play and which for the moment kept them conscious of the voices of the air as of something mixed and vague 
The next thing, of course, however, was that they heard the hoarse newsman, though with a special sense of the sound not standing out, which so far as it did come made them exchange a look. There was no hawker just then within call. "'What are they crying?' "'Blessed if I care,' Byte said, while he got his light, which he had but just done when they saw themselves closely approached. The papers had come into sight in the form of a small boy bawling the winner of something, and at the same moment they recognized their reprieve, they recognized also the presence of Mortimer Marshall. He had no shame about it. I fully believed I should find you. But you haven't been, Byte asked, inside. Not at today's performance. I only just thought I'd pass. But at each of the others, Mortimer Marshall confessed. Oh, you're a devotee, said Byte, whose reception of the poor man contended for Maud's attention with this extravagance of the poor man's own importunity. Their friend had sat through the piece three times on the chance of her being there for one or other of the acts, and if he had given that up in discouragement, he still hovered and waited. Who now, moreover, was to say he wasn't rewarded? To find her companion, as well as at last to find herself, gave the reward a character that it took, somehow, for her eye, the whole of this misguided person's curiously large and flat, but distinctly bland, sweet, solicitous countenance to express. It came over the girl with horror that here was a material object, the incandescence on the edge of the street didn't spare it, which she had had perverse moments of seeing fixed before her for life. She asked herself, in this agitation, what she would have likened it to, more than anything perhaps to a large, clean china plate with a neat pattern suspended to the exposure of hapless heads from the centre of the domestic ceiling. Truly she was, as by the education of the strain undergone, learning something every hour. It seemed so to be the case that a strain enlarged the mind, formed the taste, enriched even the imagination. Yet in spite of this last fact, it must be added, she continued rather mystified by the actual pitch of her comrade's manner, Byte really behaving as if he enjoyed their visitor's note. He treated him so decently, as they said, that he might suddenly have taken to liking his company, which was an odd appearance till Maud understood it, whereupon it became for her a slightly sinister one. For the effect of the honest gentleman, she by that time saw, was to make her friend nervous and vicious, and the form taken by his irritation was just this dangerous candour, which encouraged the candour of the victim. She had for the latter a residuum of pity, whereas blight, she felt, had none, and she didn't want him, the poor man, absolutely to pay with his life. It was clear, however, within a few minutes, that this was what he was bent on doing, and she found herself helpless before his smug insistence. She had taken his measure, he was made incorrigibly to try, irredeemably to fail, to be, in short, eternally defeated and eternally unaware. He wouldn't rage, he couldn't, for the citadel might, in that case, have been carried by his assault. He would only spend his life in walking round and round it, asking everyone he met how in the name of goodness one did get in and every one would make a fool of him, though no one so much as her companion now, and everything would fall from him but the perfection of his temper, of his tailor, 
of his manners, of his mediocrity. He evidently rejoiced at the happy chance which had presented him again to bite, and he lost as little time as possible in proposing, the play ended, an adjournment again to tea. The spirit of malice in her comrade, now inordinately excited, met this suggestion with an amendment that fairly made her anxious. Bite threw out, in a word, the idea that he himself surely, this time, should entertain Mr. Marshall. Only I'm afraid I can take you but to a small pothouse that we poor journalists haunt. They're just the places I delight in. It would be of an extraordinary interest. I sometimes venture into them, feeling awfully strange, and wondering, I do assure you, who people are. But to go there with you, and he looked from Bight to Maud, and from Maud back again, with such abysses of appreciation, that she knew him as lost indeed. End of chapter 5